0: alternative perspectives and genuine collaboration. Our two special guests are Delilah Wilson-Scott and Lauren Hudson. Delilah is the executive vice president and chief diversity officer of Comcast Corporation and president of the Comcast NBC Universal Foundation. She oversees all diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives and philanthropic strategy for the corporation, including the company's $100 million commitment to advance social justice and equity. Delilah has been a leader in corporate social responsibility, philanthropy and generosity to create a more connected and equitable world her entire career. Lauren Hudson is the Senior Vice President and Chief Diversity Officer, CDO, for Comcast Cable. As the first CDO for Comcast Cable, Lauren also serves as a key partner to the company's leaders and the broader human resources organizations with an eye on establishing frameworks for DEI accountability, including employee training, career development, and education. An essential role to any company committed to to systemic and lasting change. Welcome to ROG.
2: Thanks for having us, Shannon. Thank you.
0: Yes, I'm so grateful that you're here. And this conversation is a part of the Black Voices series, an effort to share some of the stories, realities, and lived experiences of Black professionals. I so appreciate you being here. So let's begin with a little bit of background, some family history, and some inspired experiences. We'll begin with Delilah.
2: Sure. Well, one, I just appreciate your leveraging your podcast to elevate Black Voices. I you know that's always a great allyship move, so certainly appreciate the focus an effort. For me, what some people don't know about me is my parents met in the Vietnam War. So my mother is Vietnamese, my father is African American. And I raise it because I think for most people, they see me as a black professional, and they don't necessarily understand the intersectionality of all of my experiences. But it is, I think the world can be very black and white. And I think we recognize and more of us are becoming aware that the world isn't black and white and intersectionality matters. And maybe the terms that were used five years, 10 years, 20 years ago are not as reflective of, of who we are as we all want them to be. I think that's just important in this moment. But it was a great experience to me that, that I benefited from having grown up in a mostly black community when I was younger. People were very welcoming to my mother and you know, showing her sort of things that were common in America that were very different than her life growing up in Vietnam, but also helping her understand black culture in particular, and what it meant to have black daughters, everything from doing our hair to, you know, different food to church, and she's a Buddhist. So it was just an interesting, you know, I didn't think anything of it, because it's the only upbringing I knew. But it was just a, a great way for me to think differently about just, you know, how cultures come together all the time. So that that's a little bit of my
0: background. That's a beautiful story, and I did not know that your parents met in the Vietnam War. That's so interesting. Thank you for sharing that, and, and also reminding us of the complexity and just the difference and the uniqueness that each one of us has. Thank you for that, Lauren.
1: So good afternoon, and thank you for for having me on the on your podcast. Really excited to be here with you. So a little bit about my history. I'm um, from New Jersey. I would think the part that is key to this conversation. Are the impact that my parents made on me and my life, and even how I raise my my children, my and and address my family. So both of my parents demonstrated a really strong work ethic throughout my entire life. They both had one role. You know, they stayed employed with the same employer until they both retired. My mom was a social worker in Camden, New Jersey. My dad was a police officer in our hometown of Woodbury. You know, I saw in both of my parents. That while they had this passion and drive and education and strive to grow in each of their organizations that they encountered roadblocks because they were both people of color and they continued to be intentional in how they developed themselves and how they pushed the envelope in a very appropriate and respectful way because they wanted to succeed and they wanted to reach certain goals in their careers and the one piece I'll call out about my father is that my father was the only black police officer on the police force when I was growing up and he should have been the chief of police in our small town, but the town wasn't quite ready to have a black chief. And so they created the second in command, which was a captain. And they promoted my dad to that role. And they made a big deal out of it. It was wonderful, but he should have been chief. And so I, I think for me, I took away that I have work to do. And then just really briefly, my mother's mother had a tremendous impact on me. As a, a young child, I never had to go to daycare because my mom had my grandmother and she took us everywhere she went when, when she had us. And so she came from a small town in Georgia, didn't have a high school diploma went back to get it because she wanted her children and her grandchildren to know how important education was um so she went back as an adult you know it's funny now because today flipping houses is like a big deal right we have all these TV shows around it but she started buying houses in Camden New Jersey when I was a young child we won't talk about my age many years before it was it was the you know the hot thing to do today and she did the work herself so there could be affordable housing in the community where she and many of my family members lived in Camden. So when you talk about work ethic, it's in my blood. I'm a hard worker. I'm dedicated in making sure that people of color are reaching their aspirations, um, not only professionally, but in development and education is really key to me.
0: Incredible. And think about those services, right? From social worker to law enforcement, to making homes available for people. Those are such noble careers. So invite us to sit at the dinner table with either of you growing up. What were some of the conversations like about some of the things that you were experiencing? What were some of the lessons that you remember being taught around the dinner table or wherever it is that you would have family conversations?
2: That's a good question. I mean, for my parents, it was a lot of my dad explaining to my mom the history of Black people in this country, right? Because that was completely foreign to her. And while colorism is certainly a thing in Asian communities, it was very different, right? She had seen some things on TV. She certainly met GIs of different races. But I think when she got here, it was a little bit different, just even terminology. A lot of the conversation was just like exploratory conversations on both sides about one another's culture. And for us, like that that was just the the conversation in, in our house. And when my mom would select, decide she couldn't speak English or not, you know, there were all sorts of times where that would come in handy for her. many that are funny to me, but I, you know, when we got older, I think my sister and I understood the gravity of some of those conversations and maybe what was more difficult for her then, but a lot of the conversation was like, why is it this way? Because this is not what I, what I thought of when I thought of America.
0: Oh, thank you for that. Because it's helpful for us to think about for families who have the intersectionality reality among them and how challenging that is for the members of that family, but really also what a profound education it is to be able to hear from the individuals about their lived experiences, about their challenges, about their language differences. How about you, Lauren? Uh, So I would
1: share growing up, my mother has always been extraordinarily dedicated to providing experiences that she necessarily didn't have growing up to her children. And my dad always was an advocate of that. So he kind of fanned her fire of, my children are going to go to acting camp. My mother started traveling with us at a very, very young age. So I took my first trip to Germany when I was you know in elementary school. And she took the three of us. My dad wasn't a traveler. He too was in the Vietnam War. And when he came back, he said, I'm done traveling. Um, the only place he would go was home to New Orleans. This was just her passion, that she wanted us to just have these moments that we would remember forever, but also have the opportunity to see what was outside of our little town of Woodbury. So lots of great conversations around our table. I would say the one piece I will call out is my dad is very bare complexed and my mother is, you know, a brown skin. That was always something that was a, a piece of a conversation throughout my life, just because my dad, many times people thought he was white. Even some of my mom's family members as five years ago said, but isn't your dad white? I'm like, no, he's still not white. We've been talking about this for you know many all my life, still not. But they have both encountered different things. And if it's one thing my dad is firmly a strong believer. in. I don't understand how you see that. Like I, I've always positioned myself as a person of color and you hear me when I speak, you hear it, how I advocate, but he's always, we've always had that rub. And even in our childhood growing up, I will tell you, my brother actually has a complexion of my mother and he has had different experiences than my sister and I because just of, you know, how nature took its course. And that has been some very emotional and, and interesting conversations growing up too.
0: That's such an important point that you're bringing up Lauren about colorism and the reality of that. And as much as people might not see it, if they don't have that lived experience that for you to have had that in your own home and to hear the impact that that has had on the individuals who you love so deeply. I think it's an important recognition for us to remember when we're thinking about diversity, equity and inclusion and and how to embrace and celebrate all of the components of each of our unique lives, including the shade of the color of our skin. Um, So thank you for bringing that up. So having led and engaged in so many listening sessions, which I know you have been fully invested in as an organization and as each of you individually leading the diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives, what are some of the themes that you've shared and heard?
1: So I've been with the company for 20 years and I've spent and over the last year, I've spent a lot of time with our frontline leaders. And when you think about our frontline, it's our our retail teams, it's our technical teams, it's care and many other employees. But in the listening sessions, especially over the last year, our employees have truly not only been thankful that we've engaged in this dialogue, but they've also given us accolades and feedback that these have been needed, that there's been a lot going on, not only in our workplace, but externally in their homes that have been emotional and uncomfortable. And providing this opportunity to share and connect and support has been truly instrumental for many. You don't realize when you see someone in an office every day that potentially you're the only person that they enter or you're the only team or group of people that they interact with because they go home, You know they could live by themselves. And during COVID, that was elevated because they were truly not having the opportunity for some to exit their home and, and engage and interact. And so these listening sessions, well, many were emotional, some were uncomfortable, they were necessary. They were necessary to connect with our teammates. They were necessary for us to provide support. They were necessary for us to learn and grow as a company and as teams. And so um, I think one of the biggest themes that came out of it was not only thankfulness and gratitude, but the ability to learn from each other and potentially have a different perspective on an individual that you could have worked with for years and never been in their home and, and, and been in such an emotional state that you were able to connect on such a different level that's, I think, what I would share in that space.
0: Yeah. So that gratitude, that connection, the need to be heard and the need to belong, right? The need to know that you belong somewhere. And even if you're in a situation where in your personal life, you're on your own to know that you belong in this team and that we want to learn from you. We want to grow with you. How about you, Delilah? What are some of the themes that you've heard?
2: You know, just building on what Lauren said, even just the conversation we just had about our personal background and perspective, there isn't often significant space in the workplace to have that conversation, you know, to the point of, so I I think one of the main lessons in learning is, you know, how well do we know each other at work? And this opened up a series of conversations that allow people to understand someone's perspective before getting to the work, which is really important. We all know that in relationship building, but we don't always necessarily take the time to get to know someone who's different from us. If I know I have some commonality with you, maybe I go there first, but if I have no clue, or more importantly, I'm bringing some implicit bias to the table, I think a lot of people realize like, maybe I know people better than I thought I did, or maybe I don't, and that can be, eye-opening, it can be frustrating, but I think it also creates the right framework to to have progress and ongoing conversations after that. In terms of external conversations we've had and just hearing from our community partners and the philanthropy sector, public sector more broadly, I think what's important is some people are, yes, this is finally getting the level of urgency. This conversation is happening in so many spheres spaces that it never happened before. And there's an awareness level. There's also some cautious optimism, you know, mixed with some skepticism about will this be sustained? How how do we think about it going forward? And have we you know and those of us who work in the space of equity have we been equitable and how we think about our work how we select our talent how we think about our partners who's leading that work how are we putting resident community voice first as opposed to imposed solutions so even in some places that that people view as champions of equity Last year, I think we were able to accelerate some conversations about maybe some of those walls and barriers need to be broken down sooner than than later. I do, though, think it centered the conversation about equity from an economic standpoint, which is exactly where many of us want to go. You know, when Lauren tells that story about her grandmother well before her time, she put a wealth creation plan for her family in place. Maybe that's not what her original intent was, but that's game changing, right? For her children, for Lauren, for Lauren's children in a way that many other things are not. And I think that conversation and how we change that conversation and our actions against that work, that's much more prevalent today. And I think that's a a great sign of progress, but I think everybody knows how much it took to get to this point and it will take even more to sustain it.
0: When we come back, Delilah and Lauren will share their thoughts on, is the progress real? Hello, I'm Joe Pantheel, president and CEO of the T. Howard Foundation. We fulfill our mission to increase diversity in the media industry by offering college students paid internships with major media companies as a result of their internship experience nearly 200 of our interns are hired every year in communications marketing and even on-air talent for more information about our program visit t-howard.org and we're back with more from delilah wilson scott and lauren hudson chief diversity officers for comcast so How do you feel right now about progress? Is it real?
1: So I think we have absolutely made progress and we've done some amazing, amazing things over the last year. But I will tell you, I think employees are hungry for more. They have seen the impacts that we made with um, some of our programs, such as Rise and the Lift Zones, even our diversity series and just the content that we brought forward with the launch of our channel. And so we're on the right track. But I think... As we look at, you know, our go forward work, we, we still have to focus on what Delilah was talking about was, as we have these conversations, making sure we're having no judgment zones, that we're valuing the personal story shared, where you came from, what you've experienced, and how you take that as a leader or as a coworker. You digest that in a way that you help or you advocate or your voice For that individual, we have work to do there. I think people are still struggling with, am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? So absolutely progress. And and I'll say one other thing, which is I see progress because so many more people are reaching out. So many more people are asking for more conversations, content, and so many more people are saying, did I say the right thing? Can you guide me to a resource? Can you include me in a meeting so I could listen in? And so we're shifting. We're going in absolutely the right direction. And we just didn't start this work. This is work that's been in play for many years. It's just accelerated over the last year. And we're going to continue. The progress is
2: absolutely real. I, I think it's fair to note that progress is relative from an individual perspective. From an institutional perspective, building on what Lauren just said, you know, we're proud of the hundred million dollar commitment that you know our CEO made. Lauren and I've worked together to make sure that that's representative of our employees. What can we do from an economic mobility perspective, from communities, and what can we do that Comcast is uniquely positioned to do well? And setting some some targets around that work, some long term goals around that work, and figuring out how to get there. All of that is real on a broader. Scale, I think you're seeing a global conversation about this that we haven't seen before. I think we're, we're seeing, you know, again, major shifts in, in, in executive appointments, board appointments, and a demand for education and awareness as opposed to pushing out from the usual suspects. I think it's also fair to note that this bias can exist in a role around CDO. Yes, Lauren and I are both women of color. Our roles are not just about promoting women of color, people of color, black professionals. Diversity, equity, and inclusion work extends far beyond that. Our perspectives help us in in specific areas do our work, but our goal is to make sure that we're inclusive writ large. And what is inclusive today is very different than what would have been defined as inclusive 10 years ago. You know, our work in earnest around DEI started over a decade ago. The model that we have in place with our external joint diversity council, there are truth tellers For sure, there are colleagues that help us figure out how we can do better, but they also challenge us when they don't feel like we're doing things in the most optimal way, given our resources, our asset and who we are. And you need to have that type of relationship. And the conversations we had 10 years ago have evolved. And what it will take to maintain that groundbreaking reputation will be different today. And that acceleration is absolutely necessary. So is there progress? Yes. Is there still much more work to be done? Absolutely. But I think the signals are there. The shared acknowledgement of the progress that needs to happen and how we need to come together. It's not just this person's problem. It's not just the role of the CDO. I think that is something that's much more relevant for people today than it was, you know, not very long ago. I think we're glad to work for a company that has those resources available. And you know, big shout out to our talent team we've been working closely with just in terms of creating personal learning journeys on the DEI spectrum, as well as the collective learning journeys, because you have to do both to really, again, to get there at the end of the day.
0: That's really refreshing to hear both of you talk about that, And, and I heard in your comments individual progress and collective progress. So the individual progress, which is gonna be sloppy work, right? When Lauren was talking about how some people are asking for feedback or they're apologizing or they're asking for resources, that's a sign of being in the game to know that you're not gonna get it right all the time. And it's appreciated that you're in the game and we're gonna support you and give you tools and resources and feedback to help you to continue to evolve, which all of us are evolving in in all of these areas. And then the point you just made, Delilah, about the holistic approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion, that it's all forms of uniqueness and lifestyle and ways in which people identify that we're saying we celebrate all of that. So what is your vision for what progress will look like and feel like in the organization?
1: So I'll start. Our roles will be continue to be needed, but that some of the, the tactical work that we're doing to bring some of, you know, some of our key initiatives alive will be the work that is culturally baked in to all of our business units. That's my ultimate progress. But I'll say from a goal and and measurement piece, we've put in place some key metrics that we aspire to, which is at our board of directors, that we have 30% women and 30% people of color and our aspirational goal of having 50% women and 33% people of color represented. And today, more than 35% of our workforce are women, and 44% of our workforce are people of color. And we will continue to focus and grow in this space. As Delilah mentioned, we have some fantastic talent partners that are committed to this work. But not only do our talent partners have to be committed, our leaders have to be committed. We have that commitment in many, many ways. But to truly see progress and change we need those those two pieces aligned. So when we're hiring, when we're promoting, when we're providing opportunities within the organization for development and exposing our teammates, we have to have a DE&I lens to ensure that everyone has an equal opportunity to make progress and to succeed within the organization.
2: Yeah, and I think what I would add to that, I mean, Lauren touched on sort of governance and our workforce representation, which I think are always going to be core to our broader DEI objectives and really is sort of the reason we think Lauren is such a great add to the team. She's bringing expertise, not just in HR, but understanding the organization and figuring out how to get that done. But the equity inclusion works well when it's fully integrated across the enterprise, not a side function, not a lens that you apply twice a year and then come back to. It sort of has to be built into our regular business processes, whether it's how we make decisions about our vendors, um, how we think about programming on our networks, on our platforms, on our variety of platforms. So I think us really building on this long standing history and commitment to getting people connected and making sure that our work is making tangible difference in, in creating more economic opportunity. I mean, that's what what justice is rooted in economic justice. And I think we have an incredible role we can play in those spaces. But our work needs to be integrated into every part of the company. Uh, it can't just be, again, a side function or or a, a selective lens. So that's our overall vision. We know it won't always be perfect. We know progress won't always be linear, but we definitely need to make sure that those goals are not just aspirational, that we're tracking and holding ourselves accountable, all of our leaders accountable for that work. You know, and that that's sort of why we're partnered on this in, in that way.
0: Thank you. And like you said earlier comcast is uniquely positioned to help in this way to use the base of what you do well and the technology that you've developed and the ways in which you can support people and taking that to this level is, is something i so appreciate thank you and what what incredible words of wisdom for us to take to heart and think about how we can apply in our own lives thank you both for sharing your wisdom your stories your experiences, and your encouragement with us today.
2: Thanks, Shannon. Thank
0: you. ROG Takeaway Tip. How to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. Delilah and Lauren offered so much inspiration. Let's frame this takeaway tip in three sections. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Diversity. It's what makes each of us different and unique and how we're similar. Some of the diversity that we heard from Delilah and Lauren include skin color. Some people are light, some dark, and the reality and judgment of colorism. As generous leaders, we cannot tolerate anyone being judged because of the color of their skin, nevertheless, the darkness of it. Place of origin and intersectionality. Delilah's parents met as a result of her father being in the US military during the Vietnam War. Family dynamics. Lauren had two working parents and spent a lot of time with her grandmother growing up, which includes age diversity, native language, and learning English as a second language, like Delilah's mom experienced. All of these are factors of diversity. Equity. Let's start by clarifying the difference between equality and equity. Equality means that each person or group of people are given the same resources or opportunities. Equity recognizes that each person has different circumstances and allocates the exact resources and opportunities needed to reach an equal outcome. At work, every single individual has the specific support that they need to succeed and grow. Lauren's grandmother's example is profound. She flipped houses before it was cool, which resulted in a wealth creation strategy for her family. Wealth creation can afford better education. Better education can afford more affluent networks and beneficial opportunities, which can lead to a more successful life and career. And as Delilah said, social justice is rooted in economic justice. Look around your team at work. Does everyone have what they need to succeed? Lastly, and essentially, inclusion. Do people feel valued, respected, and heard? Inclusion occurs when company leadership encourages all employees to share their contributions and everyone feels empowered to do so thanks to positive reinforcement. The listening sessions, resource sharing, humble and compassionate apologies for getting it wrong sometimes, asking for help. These are all signals of an inclusive culture. Delilah and Lauren shared the importance of coming together, that it's not just one person's problem to solve or role to lead, The real change happens when every person in an organization regardless of your tenure or authority recognizes their role in creating an inclusive environment it's on all of us our personal learning journeys and collective learning journeys what's it like in your organization does it feel like some are engaged and some are accountable and some aren't what are ways that you can influence awareness of the benefits of inclusion and the cost of inequitable workplaces? What role do you play in raising the tide that lifts all boats? How can DEI initiatives get fully baked into all of the mindsets, priorities, business units, hiring, promotional activities, vendor selection, etc., in your workplace? It's the rigor of bringing the DEI lens to every area. This week, let's celebrate our diversity by making sure our colleagues have what they need to be successful, by being equitable in our approach to talent and team management, and open up our eyes and arms to create an inclusive workplace where everyone belongs. Until next week, stay generous, everyone.